0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Mm, we're awake. We're awake. We're alive. Anybody have coffee this morning? All right. Okay. I might get a little coffee before the next service. We'll see how this service goes. Uh, if I don't fall off stage, there's a good chance. Uh, well, welcome. Welcome to Oakwood Community Church. My name is Pastor Ben. I am one of the pastors that are here on staff. Uh, and I am the youth pastor, which means I get to work with our middle school, our high school, and our college age kids. Uh, It's a great privilege that uh, that is my role and that is my job. Uh, Every time I get the opportunity to come up and speak to you on a Sunday morning, uh, I love to just say thank you. Uh, I oftentimes share a picture of me and my family just so I can get some oohs and ahs. Uh, But this is my wife, Kylie, and my little son, Noah. Yesterday, Noah turned 10 months old, uh, and it is such a privilege to be his dad. Uh, It's been a very, like, growing and learning experience. Any parents in the room? Yep, okay. Uh, at, At what point do you want to stop pulling your hair out? Is that later in life? Okay. He, he has been a huge blessing to us. We, we pray that he sleeps at some point in the future, maybe. Uh, we'll see if God wills it, I guess. Uh, and that is our sweet puppy, Moses, who's next to him. Uh, there they are. Uh, so uh, we're just thankful that he uh, has been a blessing to us as well. We had the opportunity to take our teens to Camp Barakel. Uh, I don't think I've actually been on stage with you guys here since we were able to do that, uh, and I just want to say thank you to you as a church for allowing us to be able to do that. Uh, it's through your giving that we're able to uh, send some kids on scholarship. It's through your guys' uh, acts of service that we're able to actually get them up there in a big bus uh, and bring them all home. Uh, now, I will say this is my fourth year here at Oakwood. As of March, I'll be here for four years, and I am 100% for taking Taking kids' places, and bringing those same kids back. Um, so I, my batting average is incredible. But we had an awesome time at Camp Barrackell. We loved just getting to spend some time in worship, uh, just getting to spend some time having fun together. Uh, and I truly believe that if you are going to do youth ministry well, uh, you have to be able to engage kids in their faith, and you also have to be able to have fun. Uh, so Camp Barrackell is a great place for us to do both of those things. So thank you as a church for being uh, supportive of us and being, uh, allowing us to be able to do that. Uh, I do want to take a second, we are going to be continuing in the Romans series, so I want to take just a second to continue to just let you guys know where we've been in the book of Romans. Uh, Petey took us through Romans 3 and he t- taught us that all have sinned. Uh, we went through Romans 5 and we learned that we are justified through Christ. Paul also teaches us that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And P.D. also asked the question, and Paul answered the question, if grace abounds where there is sin, should we continue to go on sinning? Uh, Paul's answer is no, certainly not, uh, absolutely not. What was P.D.'s version? Do we remember? Nope. Nope. No, we should not. Last time I was here with you, I had the privilege uh, to walk through this concept that grace is greater. Uh, The book of Romans teaches us that grace is greater than sin, grace is greater than death, and grace is greater than the law. Last week, P.D. walked us through life's biggest problems, right? He he answered all of life's biggest questions. Uh, So if you missed last week, you should definitely go back and listen to it, uh, because he'll answer any question you have on life. But I want to just take a second and remind you about where this church in Rome is at because this is a church that is struggling. They've gone through persecution. Uh, They've gone through times where they are facing uh, all kinds of trials and tribulations, and it's a church that is divided. It's a church of different ethnic groups. It's a church of different people groups that are trying to come together and make a church happen, to follow Jesus in a faithful way. So they're asking questions. How should we live now that we are... Uh, Now that we are no longer with Christ, but we are living as a church after his resurrection. They're asking questions like, is the law still applicable to our lives? There are many Jews in the church of Rome, uh, so they are thinking, okay, God gave us this perfect law. Is that law still applicable? They're asking questions like, why do we struggle with sin even after we meet Jesus. And this is where that church in Rome is. They're, they're not a, a perfect church. They're not necessarily a peaceful church. Uh, they're not a church that has everything figured out, but they're a church a lot like Oakwood. We're asking good questions. We're struggling to d- just figure out how are we supposed to live and follow Jesus? You guys did not laugh at the Oakwood isn't perfect joke, and that's fine. Let's pray as we continue in this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to just read your message to us. We don't take that for granted. Father, we pray specifically for P.D. this weekend that as he speaks to teens, that you would just open their heart, that you would just help him to have those crucial conversations. And Father, most importantly, we just ask that you would be glorified through his time there. Father, we ask that you'd bring him safely home to us again uh, at the end and the conclusion of his work. Father, we pray that our time here this morning would be honoring and glorifying to you. And Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in your Son's precious name that we pray. Amen. We have a big idea this morning. We're going to be going through the very end of Romans 9 and pretty much all of Romans 10. Uh, Next week, Pastor Don is going to be picking up in Romans chapter 11. So we've got a little bit of work to do, but I'm confident we can get there. But our big idea this morning is we have been rescued. We have been rescued. So before we jump into the text this morning, before we engage Scripture itself, I want to just talk to you a little bit about this problem that we as the world have. I like to call it the sin problem, but if we look at the world around us, has anybody watched the news in the last like six months to a year? Did anybody come away like happier like more joyful, uh, more filled with peace. I've had to stop watching the news, stop looking up news articles, because every time I do, it just seems to be sad. Uh, It seems like the world around us is kind of falling apart. And if we think about it too much, we might have a panic attack. Because if we look in one direction, they're struggling with all these terrible things like earthquakes and famine uh, and all these troubles. And if we look in another direction, there is war and there's no peace and there are all kinds of tragedies that go along with that. But for me, as someone who's trying to follow Jesus, when I look at the world around us, I see a lack of peace. I see a lack of hope. I see a lack of Jesus. And I think if we look at the world around us, and the news does a fantastic job of highlighting this, hope is in short supply. Hope is in short supply supply. And I wonder if the church in Rome that Paul is writing to can relate to this feeling. Jesus is no longer with them. Uh, they're struggling because the government does not support uh, their religion, and they're going through all kinds of persecution. People are dying for following Jesus. Uh, and, and ultimately, this church in Rome, I'm wondering if they can relate to that struggle. The world around us, I think, is in darkness. The world around us, I think, is struggling to find hope. And ultimately, they have a sin problem. And they're asking the question, is this all we have to live for? Is this darkness? Is this war? Is this lack of peace? Is this lack of hope all that we as humanity have to live for? And that is where the world is today. I brought a uh, illustration, and it's not the first time I'm sure many of you have seen this illustration before. Um, it's not my illustration. I'm stealing it from someone who's way smarter than me. But it helps me to grasp the problem that we as humanity have. Uh, and I promise, uh, you see a power cord. there are no power tools involved in this illustration. Uh, PD declared that that was not allowed. So, this morning I want us to look at the sin problem like this. Because if we read the book of Genesis, Genesis 3 gives us a clear picture that we have a sin problem. And ultimately, when we think about our sin problem, we really only think about a little section of it. If you imagine this power cord, uh, well, you don't have to imagine because this morning uh, I took this power cord and I took it outside and I went down through Ortonville, down through Lake Orion, and I wrapped it all the way around the world. Pretty good. I made it back in time for church. I'm pretty good. Not only did I do that once, I did it about 10,000 times. So this cord is very, very long. Uh, I'm sure people have tripped over it already this morning, so I'm sorry to those people that are way away. But imagine this cord wraps around the world 10,000 times. This is a picture of our reality. This is a picture of the time frame that we're living in. Because if you look right here at the very end of this power cord, there's this clear little section, and this is all of human history. All of the people who have ever lived from the very beginning of time in Genesis all the way until now is represented just by this very little piece here at the end. And if you think about your own life, which anybody think that we're kind of important? Anybody? Okay. There's a few honest people in the room and I appreciate that. If you think about your own life, it's just a little speck right here at the end of this little section. And and if we look at the rest of this cord that wraps around the world theoretically 10,000 times, that is the rest of eternity. And for me, this illustration, again, not mine, but it helps me to visualize what the problem is that we're struggling with. Because when we think about the sin problem that we all have, oftentimes I think we think about it just as happening in this lifetime the 99 years that we get to live here on this planet but this is what it says in genesis 3 to adam he said because you have listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which i commanded you you must not eat it you must not eat from it cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Genesis 3 paints a pretty uh, grim picture of the punishment that we have for sin. In Genesis 3, we as humanity walked away from God's plan for our life, and what that means is that we no longer get to walk intimately with God. We no longer have a perfect relationship with God. And this is what the story of the Garden of Eden is illustrating for us, is that humanity had a perfect relationship with God. And what we did is we turned our back on Him. And the punishment for not following God is essentially the punishment for sin. He tells Adam that we will return to dust and that is to signify we will not last forever here on this earth is anybody planning to be here for 2 300 years we will not last forever here on the earth and not only is that uh, the punishment for sin but we also have a part of us that does live live on forever past this point we call that our soul And each and every one of you sitting in these chairs and watching online has a soul. And that soul is not going to end when you are done with your hundred, if you're me, 150 years here on this earth. But that soul is going to live on forever. And if that little end over there that you guys can't see because it fell off the stage is all of human history, imagine how much more we have to live imagine what it might mean that we have all of eternity after we're done here on this planet. And in reality, even if we wrapped this cord around the earth 10,000 times, that still wouldn't be enough to encapsulate what infinity is, what eternity looks like. And that's our sin problem. Because we decided not to follow God, we are separated from Him. And that part of you that will live on forever, your soul, will either spend eternity with God or separated from Him. The world has a sin problem. Your eternity can look one of two ways. The Bible tells us that at the end of our days, there will be a judgment. And we will be either deemed worthy and forgiven and covered by the blood of Christ, or we will be guilty of our sin. Those are the only two options we have. This judgment will occur. So there are a couple of things that we need to make sure that we're thinking through. Hell is a reality. Hell is a reality that is separation from a God for eternity. But Jesus is the only answer to this problem. So as we pick up in Romans 9, verse 30, here's what it says this morning. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith? But the people of Israel who pursued the law that was of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer, for God, prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based in knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God, and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Israel was given a tool, and they called this tool the law. It was passed down through Moses. It was given to the Israelite people when they came out of Egypt. And this law was basically meant for them to have intimacy with God. They're coming out of Egypt and they're wondering, how, how are we going to relate to this God who brought us out of Egypt? And he gave them the law as a way to experience intimacy with him. But the trouble for the Israelite people is that they've done a few things. First, they fail to keep his law. If you read the Old Testament, it's a continuous story over and over again Whereas the Israelite people, the Jewish people, had this tool from God, but they failed to keep it. They turned to other gods. They sought after other things. They didn't take care of those who they were supposed to take care of. So this tool that was meant for intimacy with God was something that they failed to keep. Not only did they failed to keep the law but there were those amongst the Jews who made the law a god in itself Paul says that they didn't come to the law this tool for intimacy as something through faith but they came to it as if they could earn it with works Paul is teaching that the Israelite people have done two things that they've done. They can't keep the law, and even when they try to keep the law, they make it something that it's not supposed to be. And ultimately, they're looking at this problem, this sin problem, uh, this eternity separated from God, and they tried to achieve peace with God, intimacy with God. But instead of doing that through faith, they were trying to do it by works. They wanted to do enough good to make themselves right with God. Religion today, I don't think, is very different. If we look at the religions around the world, they'll offer people similar options. If you follow certain religions, they'll give you something called karma. And if you just do enough good in this world and you avoid doing enough bad, then the next time that you're here on this earth, your life will probably look better. What a nice solution. (laughs) Anybody relying on karma this morning? Hopefully not. If you follow certain other religions, uh, they will say that as long as you make enough sacrifices, then God will be appeased and you won't have to fear him. As long as you give enough of your time, as long as you give enough of your resources, as long as you sacrifice enough animals, then your God will be appeased. And this is an example from another religion that we see around the world today. So I think all of humanity really gets this idea that we have a sin problem. And I think religions around the world are trying to answer this question, how do we regain this intimacy with God? And many of them focus on works. Many of them focus on how much good can we do and how much bad can we avoid. And we as Christians have the temptation to do this exact same thing. We as Christians can fall into the trap of making our relationship about God, not about intimacy with Him, not about following after Him, not about conforming to Him more and more as we grow in our relationship with Him, but about a list of rules that we can keep or we can break. And we have to be very careful as Christians because I believe righteous living comes when we follow Jesus with all of our heart. When we have that faith and when we actually walk in an intimate relationship with God, I believe that our life will look different. And I believe that we should make that our goal as Christians. But if we make Christianity into just a list of rules that we're supposed to follow, we fall into the same trap that the Israelite people fell into this tool that was meant for intimacy, this righteous living that was meant for intimacy with God can become a God in itself. And this is what Paul is communicating at the end of chapter 9. Romans 10 verse 4 says this, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Jesus is the answer to our intimacy problem with God. In the garden, we acquired this problem, this sin problem, this eternity that we would be separated from God. And ultimately, in the book of Romans, uh, Paul is painting this picture for us about the Jewish nation and how they failed uh, and how they were unable to keep the law and how they made it into something that it wasn't supposed to be and how they just tried as best as they could to do everything they could to make uh, right decisions but they missed the point because it wasn't by faith that they were walking, but it was by works. And it's very plain in in Romans 10.4. It says, Christ is the culmination of the law. But there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. God wants intimacy with us. If you are sitting on this planet right now, uh, spinning around the sun, and our sun is moving through space, and our galaxy, I I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know, but we are sitting here where we are today, uh, and your soul desires intimacy with God. We try to find that intimacy with God through all kinds of different uh, means, We we try to fill that hole inside of us with all kinds of different things as humans who live here on this planet, but the truth is that we all desire intimacy with God, and God desires intimacy with you. God desires that relationship with you. God desires you to walk closely with him. Romans 10.5 says this, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is in faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord for all and richly bless all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul recognizes there's a sin problem. and uh, Any math teachers in the, in the house? Anybody? Anybody? A good math teacher knows that for any problem, there's an equation to solve that problem. Is that true? I don't know. I didn't pass too many math classes. But Paul gives us a Jesus equation. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and you add that to the belief that God raised him from the dead in your heart, you will be saved. Is that simple enough to follow? Amen. I like that. Amen. I work with people all the time and they say, Ben, I'm not sure if I'm saved. You know, I I love God, uh, but I still make bad choices sometimes. I still make uh, poor decisions sometimes. I still mess up in my life. And and my question to them is, have you confessed with your mouth that uh, Jesus is Lord? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Because if you follow this equation, if you confess and you believe, then you can have assurance that you have been saved. This Jesus equation is the only answer that we have for this eternity separated from God. When we look at this eternity, and we have to use our minds, we have to think about this thing going on forever and ever and ever, it should give us some urgency. Because we're not dealing with the hundred years that we have here on this planet, but we're dealing with forever. So my question would be, have you followed this Jesus equation? Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? Have you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Romans ten fourteen through 15 says this. How, then, can we call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now I want you to look at the person sitting next to you, and I want you to point at their foot and say, Your foot is beautiful. About 50% participation. Look in the other direction at the person sitting next to you on the other side. Point at their other foot and say, your foot is beautiful. Everybody point at Gary Cronenberg's feet and say, your feet are beautiful, Gary. Oftentimes when we think about this idea of going and telling others about Jesus, we think, oh, that's the pastor's job. Oh, that is our sent one's job. Our missionaries, they're supposed to go and tell others about who Jesus is. They're supposed to go help others understand the Jesus equation. They're supposed to go explain to people that they are looking at an eternity separated from God, but there is an answer to that problem and that is reserved for those people. But can I tell you, that is wrong. If I met with one person every single day from now until I died 150 years from now, I would not even make a scratch on our community. Everyone look at your feet. Say, my feet are beautiful. If you follow Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, it is your job To tell others about Jesus. It is your job to share the good news that we are not facing an eternity separated from God. We are not facing an eternity where we have to uh, live separated without the intimacy that our heart so desires, but we can actually live in perfect harmony with God once again. And it's not your pastor's job. It's not uh, your brother's job. It's not uh, the person who lives down the street. It's not the missionaries who live abroad. It is your job. Matthew 28, it says this. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is Jesus after he uh, was raised from the dead. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on, on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's commission to you as Jesus followers. If you love him, if you follow that Jesus equation, this is now your commission. This is now your role. This is now your job. Uh, We're going to have an update uh, from our sent ones uh, from D&D. So I'm going to ask our people online, thank you for joining us. Uh, We have a Super Bowl party tonight for our middle school and high school students. Uh, Please come and join us for that if they are interested. We're going to have food. We're going to have all sorts of fun. Uh, We're meeting from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, so please be a part of that. Uh, But I'm going to say goodbye to you online so we can get